between the time when the oceans drank Atlantis and the rise of the sons of Arius, there was an age undreamed of. And unto this mass movement, destined to bear the jeweled crown of geekdom upon its troubled brow, it is we, mass movement's chroniclers, who alone can tell thee of its saga. Let us tell you of the days of geek adventure. Welcome to episode 5 of Geekorama. Um, yeah, I know it's been a while, and I'm kind of feeling <laughs> in a very retro mood this week, so um, I'm going to play some tracks from my old band, Charlie's Family Crisis, because we lost our drummer shortly before Christmas, uh, who was a good friend of mine, Tony, he died, and i just like to remember the guy and, you know, play some tracks that we were both, both wrote together. Anyway, and we'll also uh, go out with an old interview I did with John Joseph around the time the first Blood Clot record was released because, yeah, I think it's a great interview and I really liked it and John's a hell of a good guy. Anyway, so let's get started. Okay, so recently Hero Collector sent us a couple of samples of the new Marvel Studios Avengers line and they're, wow, they're really cool. They're sort of... Um, like display models that are supposed to reflect the personality of every Marvel hero. Um, and the ones they sent us were Thor, Thor's, which is, which is more near as you'd expect. And Iron Man, which is the helmet from the Mark seven suit. Um, they're pure geek-tastic collective fun. Um, they're both about 10 inches high, uh, gorgeously detailed, and they look amazing on the shelf next to your three and a half thousand graphic novel collection. Um, yeah, I, I mean, the wife is giving me hell about them because she says, says they're going to collect dust and they're going to be in my way and they're just going to start, look, what are they going to do? They're just going to sit in the shelf. Believe you me, if you love comics and you love the Avengers or you love any sort of Marvel heroes, you really, really do need to pick these um, up. You just, just hit the Hero Collector site, look for the Marvel Studios Avengers line and as soon as you see them, you're going to be as blown away as I was. They are absolutely fantastic so next up on our roundup this time is uh yeah i'll send a novel by a guy called bill mcguire he's the emeritus professor of geophysical and climate hazard at the university college london and it's his debut novel it's called sky seed it's an eco thriller about the hazards of trying to hack the planet to fix climate change and oh my god is it good it is literally my second favorite novel of the year it's terrifying and thrilling. It's like an intelligent airport thriller. Right, if you're looking for a book that backs enough fact, and well, that combines fact and fiction um, in a story that you will not be able to stop reading and a book you won't be able to put down, this is what you've been looking for. The characterization is sublime. And um, <laughs> Bill McGuire, as well as being this genius, is an incredible writer. Um, so yeah, Color Me Jealous, it's a really, really clever, really well-written novel, um, and <laughs> I've just been immersed in it for the last week and a half, so yeah, uh, it's also, it will frighten the hell out of you, because the, the, the answers that it posits and the, the ideas that it, it examines are all too real and are all too <laughs> scary, um, but yeah, so head to Amazon and look out for Sky Seed by Bill McGuire. 
because yeah jesus christ it is absolutely frightening beyond belief and with that uh <laughs> that cheery thought let's have a track from my old band charlie's family crisis so um this is no cure uh it was a little different a little bit different because i played bass on it and, and ian sang it uh it's also kind of fast and it's kind of cool too so anyway yeah this is uh no cure by charlie's family crisis <laughs> and that was no cure for cancer by charlie's family crisis uh kind of hope you enjoyed it anyway let's move swiftly on to the latest loki book that's been released by panini and marvel uh it's called vote loki it was originally published in 2016 uh it's written by chris hastings and illustrated by langdon foss and paul mccaffrey um obviously it's the perfect time to release it with the loki series debuting on disney plus um and it's a wonderful sort of social and political commentary on the U.S. presidential election of 2016. Um, it replaces Donald Trump with the trickster. Um, he's really in his element because it focuses on how the cult of personality and a well-spun story and a clever catchphrase can become more important than the truth and any policies that a politician is looking to impose or impart and, and, and enact. Um, Loki said it's absolutely devious best and it kind of focuses on the idea that, you know, he'll be brought down by the journalist who originally helps him or pushes him into maybe running um, for office. <laughs> it's funny, it's acerbic and it is, again, it's slightly scary um, when you realise how close to the truth it is and how close to the well, how close to the tr truth it really is, and you know how Loki or any sort of politician can easily manipulate people with a little press to digitation and flourish and ver you know 
clever verbiosity. It's uh, yeah, hell of a story, and it oh, and it really does look every bit as good as it reads. Um, it's just been published by Panini, so it, that means you can get in WH Smith, um, Waterstones, or you can just hit their site on Amazon and order it. So yeah, it comes with our stamp of uh, well, my stamp of approval, and definitely. I think you should check it out. Anyway, that's Vote Loki. It's published by Panini and Marvel, so you know what to do. Put your name on the sheet with a little X and Vote Loki. Right, it's time to have a look at one of those contentious books from DC next. Um, it's the next Batman, and it's part of their future state lineup in which they sort of uh, shuffle the... Um, well, how can I put this? They sort of shuffle the usual canon and mythology around a bit um so it's set in a dystopian future gotham where bruce wayne's gone capes are illegal both good and bad and uh the city is being controlled by a police state that's being run by a private security firm who employ mercenaries and robots um yeah it's about his former sidekicks fighting back against that state and with a little help, well, with a little help from uh, a new Batman in town, who is Luke Fox. It's a thought-provoking commentary on corporate America. Um, and it takes a deep-dive examination into the thin line that separates justice and the law. And, yeah, I... See, I liked it from the off. I, I really started to believe in this new Batman. Um, he's driven, he's brutal, he's focused... And he has the weight of the world on his shoulders. And at every step of the game, he's being pursued by the state and made to feel like he's doing something wrong when all he's doing is looking out for his fellow citizens. It is... It's a sort of story I wish the DC would publish more. Um, because I feel like Luke Fox is one of these characters who really ha does have the room to grow and develop. But just as you know he's actually started to find his feet the the rug's been snatched out from under by under them by by dc because they keep pushing this idea that bruce wayne's coming back bruce wayne's coming back bruce wayne's coming back and i get it because bruce wayne's batman and batman will always come back but it's sort of it reduces the impact of luke fox as a character it makes him feel like he's a temporary replacement at best and doesn't deserve to wear the cowl which is nonsense because it's a really good story um and a lot of the the, the sort of powerful themes that it, it it looks at become more of a technical knockout rather than like a first round hammering uh in which you know you're flawed you're whoa that's this is going to be something special because you never the book never escapes the feeling that bruce wayne is ultimately going to return um and it's a shame because John Ridley's one hell of a writer. Uh, the story's frantically paced. Um, it's told with confidence. And Laura Braga's art is just absolutely sublime. It's, it's a great Batman story. I just wish Luke Fox had been given more time to become his own Batman rather than always having to live in and be subsumed by Bruce Wayne's shadow. But it's definitely worth checking out um, if you like about my story that's slightly different this is definitely the one for you anyway that's future state the next batman it's published by dc now just head on over to amazon and grab a copy and you won't be sorry that you did okay let's have another charlie's family crisis track then uh this is sort of philosophy with a junkie it's one of those songs that 
<laughs> I always try hate it because it, um, I thought I hated, it, but I, you know, it's one that when you look back on it, you really, really like it. It's because it's 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 fast, um, and lyrically, it was an exploration of what it means to live with um, an addiction and how that can change and shape the way you see your future and the way you historically what well, the way you look at your past um i mean at the time i was sort of i was working as an addiction counselor and a lot of the people i saw um were, were incredible people but they just lost their way and this song philosophy of the junkie kind of looks at what it's like to walk a mile in their shoes anyway that's enough of my waffling um <laughs> it's part of this ongoing tribute to tony uh tony cherry my mate Chug, who played drums for Charlie's Family Crisis. Uh, mate, I miss you every day. Keep the meat warm in Valhalla for me, brother, and I'll see you real soon. Uh, this is Philosophy with the Junkie, um, and it's for Tony. So, yeah, see you soon, brother. <laughs> Right, let's move on to the final book in uh, <laughs> this roundup of Geekorama. It's um, the recently republished Breath of Bones, A Tale of the Garland by Steve Niles, uh, which is illustrated by Dave Wachter. Now, uh, I've known Steve a while, and we were not particularly close. We're friends, and I've interviewed him a couple of times. I th I'd like to think we're friends, at least. Um, and he's an old punk rocker from the DC scene who played in uh, Grey Matter. <laughs> Um, and released some incredible records on Discord before he moved on to writing some wonderful comic books. Um, mainly Criminal Carb, because that, that's one of my favourite books of all time. Um, anyway, Breath of Bones is sort of wonderfully paced, realised and thoroughly satisfying tale of Nazis getting the shit kicked out of them um, by another worldly entity uh, during the Second World War. It's short, it's sharp, it's sweet, it's beautifully told the characterization is absolutely mind-blowing um wonderfully intricate incredibly detailed and it's just one of those books that you know looks wonderful dave wachter's art is just i, I mean you know what can you say um it's retrotastic it's just wonderful um and steve niles has a knack of being able to just grab you by the short and curlies and yank you at the story that he's telling and this time it's a story that 
everybody will love. You know, who doesn't like to see Nazis getting the shit kicked out of them by monsters? It's perfect. Um, that's Breath of Bones. It's published by Dark Horse, uh, written by Steve Niles and Dave Wacker. And you can get it in any good comic shop or head straight over to the old tried and trusted Amazon and put some more money in Jeff Bezos's already bulging bank account. Right, well, that's about it for this time. Um, as I promised earlier, I'm going to play out with an interview I did with John Joseph a while back when the first Blood Clot record came out. Um, I always have a good time talking to John. I mean, I know he can sometimes be a divisive character, uh, but he's also one of the most interesting people you'll speak to. He has um, a unique take on the world, which I find invigorating, and I always enjoy his company, love his music, and that, as I say in the interview, the that Blood Clot record is the record that Cromag should have made after Age of Quarrel. Anyway, this is the interview with John Joseph that I did a while back. I um, hope you enjoy it. Uh, that's the end of this episode. I'll see you next time. Uh, ta-ta! Good. So how are you doing, brother? I'm doing very good. Just uh, real busy, you know. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk blood clot, John. I mean, the band was originally an idea of yours about ten or so years ago, wasn't it? Because I remember you gave me a demo when you played the UK with the Chromags. So do you want to? No, actually, actually, let's backtrack 30, 36 years to nineteen eighty-one. Oh, okay. The band, the band started as roadies for the Bad Brains. Right. Okay. So because they was roster, every time something would go wrong. They would say, fix the blood clot, fix the blood clot, um, fix the blood clot, this, that. So then we as the roadies that had to fix all the blood clot shit, we formed a band called Blood Clot, and we opened up every show for the Bad Rings on their first uh, U.S. tour. Oh, okay. Which was down south. Right. So then uh, the band came later, uh, you know, I, got, I forget what year the lineup was with Danny Schuler and he went back to Biohazard and then I wasn't into like replacing original members and you know even though we had uh, you know success getting out there and doing it I just was like nah, I'm not you know I'm not Rick left and then I was like this is not e this is a shell of the band that played on the record right and for that reason I just was like I'm not into this right so that's how uh, that went down and then uh, I'll tell you the story of this uh, latest band manifested uh, AJ had some family issues and uh, we had a Chromat gig scheduled in North Carolina uh -huh. uh, he couldn't do it and we didn't want to cancel the gig so I called up Todd Youth and I was like hey Listen, man, we're in a jam. Uh, do you know Age of Quarrel? He's like, I know every fucking note. So we flew him in without any rehearsals, and he came and fucking crushed it. Right. And then, you know, uh, we were talking with Mackie, and we were like, yo, Todd has these songs, and, you know, they jammed a couple times, but, um, you know, it takes time to make things happen. Right. And then... Um, I had um, written lyrics for, for like six or seven of the, of the songs. Right. So I went out to the West Coast, and I was supposed to do 
um, the Navy SEAL half Ironman in Coronado right. uh, in San Diego. But a week before, like 10 days before I went, I uh, re-injured a calf injury and uh, I didn't know if I was going to be able to do the race or not. And then uh, I tested it out in L.A. I was staying in L.A. and I'm going to drive to San Diego. And my, my calf muscle was shot. I was like, it, it just, I couldn't even run three miles. And yeah. I had to run 13 in the sand, so that wasn't happening. So as life goes with me and the story of my whole shit is, instead of dwelling in the negative, I tried to turn it into a positive. Uh, you know, I'm sitting there with my bike. I spent a ton of money. I'm not getting ready. I'm not going to race. I said, let me turn this into something positive. Uh -huh. I called up Todd and I said, hey, man, listen, I'm not going to San Diego. I'm going to be here all week. Uh, is there any chance of getting some studio? I'm going to go in and demo these songs. So he called up NRG in the Valley, which is an amazing fucking studio. And we worked with this engineer, Kyle, uh, who's the head engineer there, and they gave us free fucking time, like spec time, to do this demo. So we got the songs done, and we started sending it around, and people get on the shit. And, I mean, it's, um, the demo came out great. I loved it. Right. And then uh, my friend owns Crossroads in L.A., Kyle Ronan. He's like the most, the world's most famous uh, vegan chef. And Brian Flago is his friend. He eats in the restaurant all the time. Kyle heard it and was like, you got to let me give this to Brian. Right. And I was like, well, I don't know if he's going to want to do this shit because he's mostly like metal bands and shit, you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, this is like a punk record, you know? Yeah. So Brian heard it and was like, dude, I want to fucking put this out. Right. So I went back to New York, and then he came into New York. This was like a couple months later, and we met uh, with Michael Alago, the famous Michael Alago. He has uh, a movie coming out. You know, who the fuck is that guy? Right. He signed Metallica. He signed Rob Zombies. You know, put out Grammy Award-winning records, and, you know, he helped us uh, solidify the deal. <clears throat> kind of worked as uh, <laughs> oversaw the whole thing. Uh -huh. Got us, uh, you know, got us a great deal from um, Metal Blade, and then we started. You know, we had guys playing on the on the, de you know, like Todd played everything on the demo. Right. And then, uh, you know, then we just started adding the parts. Man, we gave the demo to Joey Castillo, and he flipped the fuck out. And he and you know, I didn't want this to be like okay, members from Crowbags, and I wanted it to be two separate things. So right, right. Once Joe, and I always wanted to be in a band with Joey Castillo, and you know, since the eighties, right, know, fucking back in the day. And he loved the shit, and he's like, dude, I'm in a hundred fucking percent. And then uh, you know, we originally had Phil Caivano playing. But then, like, you know, he was doing a Monster Magnet record, and we, when we started looking at, okay, here's where we got a tour, and his record's coming out, it was a, it was a conflict of scheduling. Right. And I was like, Phil, man, you know, look, dude, this ain't gonna work out. We need a bass player that's fucking, this is their main project. And that's, well, when we talked to, you know, when I talked to uh, Nick Oliveri and Joey talked to him, you know, we all are in the same boat that nothing comes before... If it's a question of, okay, I have a, a Chromax show or we could do a Blood Class show. Yeah. Blood Class show is what's 
taking precedence over everything. Right, okay. He agreed and, and then came in, killed the, killed the record, and here we are. So, I mean, the record sounds like it's, it's, you know, 1986 has been drop, fucking drop kicked all guns blazing straight in the 21st century. You know, just to show kids how it should be fucking done. Because it's, it's, it's the record the Cro-Mag should have made after Age of Quarrel. And you know, you're with, the second person that said that. The dude from Rock Hard just said the same shit. This is the second, this is the album the Cro-Mag should have made. Yeah. Instead of wanting to be fucking metal rock stars, which they started copping that attitude. Which led to Harley robbing, robbing all the fucking tour money in 87, which is why I quit before Best Wishes. Right, right. So th- this, this is the record you should have made then? Because it, it's just... Yeah, how, this it's... is the record we should have made. I told these dudes, I said, bro, yeah. you guys are trying to be... You know, they wanted to be the next Metallica. And, you know, and it started treating the fans like shit, like rock stars and shit. I was like, yo, this is not cool, man. Yeah, yeah. And you guys are not writing the record that we should be making. You guys are fucking... It's a blatant, obvious sellout of fucking playing metal music. Right. It was so blatant. And there's versions of me singing those songs, some of the songs that ended up on that record, Best Wishes. Uh-huh. I, and, and I did that shit. That shit was punk. It was like fucking discharge. It was heavy. Yeah. And when they went to do the record, it was like a blatant fucking like, okay, oh yeah, we want to be the next fucking... You know, whatever, but everybody's saying this is the, this, and, and here's the thing, you know, it's like, you know, look who everybody's, yeah, there's elements of Chromax, there's elements of Bad Brains, there's elements of Discharge, there's elements of Motorhead, it's like, we, we took all the fucking shit we love and we were like, let's just go in and have fun with this record, man, that's what music's about. It just sounds, you know? it sounds fucking awesome, man, it is Thanks, just, bro. it is just incredible. So, I was going to ask you where, you know, Blood Clot leaves the Cro-Mags, but you've already said that because, you know, Blood Clot takes precedence over your other band. Of course, band. this is an yeah. album, dude. This is like, you know, I mean, you know, we're doing, uh, we, we had a chance to, to come to Europe in, in July and do whatever, and I was, I told Mac, I was like, hey, man, the record comes out July 14th. We have a U.S. tour with Negative Approach, and then... We end the whole leg on the West Coast, nails, negative approach, and blood clot. Right. So, you know, that's the deal. It's like, this is a fucking band. This is a new record. This is the record I wanted to make in fucking 1987, but due to the fact that motherfuckers wanted to be rock stars, it was like it didn't fucking work out, you know? Right, right. You know, this music never goes out of time. If I go see the Bad Brains, that shit makes me fucking dive off the top of the PA and fuck motherfuckers up in the pit just the same. It's like, there's there's the energy of hardcore punk when it's done right that's timeless, man. Right. You know? That's what I was going to say. What we do with the Chromex, that shit is timeless. Motherfuckers still come out. We just did a whole fucking Southern tour, NLA tour of the West Coast, and every show was sold the fuck out. Because when the shit's done right, you know, then people know, and they and the word spreads, and they come out. And then, you know, we played one show in L.A. at uh, the the festival of the Riff, and nobody even knew our shit. It was sold out of the theater, and, and, and people just lost their shit and were fucking slam dancing, and, and, and didn't even know our music. <laughs> like fucking, you know, they feed off the energy, man. It's the energy, you know. That, that's the thing, man. Right. You know? Yeah, I, I see. That's the thing. When 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 the music like that hits you in the gut and hits you in the chest, it, it, it's a soul thing. It's nothing else. You know what I mean? Right. And listen, I'm gonna 
I'm going to tell you something, and I learned this in writing because I, I, I write, I, you know, yeah. not only did I write books, I wrote two TV pilots that got me one of the biggest agents in Hollywood. I'm writing the film of my first book right now. And my writing teacher, Robert McKee, who wrote the book Story, yeah. said one thing, and it stuck with me he t for fucking time immemorial. And he said, the audience can smell the lie. Yeah. Okay? When your shit is bullshit and you're a poser, whether it's writing, music, theater, whatever, the audience can smell the lie. Yeah, it, 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 it hangs like a nasty stink, man. You can, you know it's there. Yeah, like a fucking bad fart. Man. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know? do, do you think Blood Clots and a New York hardcore band? Would you would you call you guys an NYHC band? Uh, man, we're universal, man. We ain't... Cool. Uh, I, don't, I don't care what label anybody is not, because the members are from all over. The, I mean, Todd's from New York, but Joey's from L.A. Yeah, yeah. He's from out there. It's like... I wouldn't. I, it's like a punk hardcore band, man. You know, it, it's it, we we don't say we're from here, we're from there. It's called universal, man. You know, it's like um, it's a global thing, brother. Very, yeah, we're very much looking forward to uh, getting out there, and then we're, we're setting up some stuff in November, right? Um, for Europe right now. Oh, that's gonna be fucking. Like, that's you know, gonna be. Ten exclusive club shows, and then I guess we'll come back for the festivals uh, in 2018 over there. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to ask you about your books, like you know, with Meetings for Pussies. What made you wanted to share your, you know, your life philosophy via, via the medium of literature? By the what? You share your life philosophy. I like Meetings for Pussies is very much, you know, a, a book about philosophy and you sharing your outlook on life and how it, it, your dietary. The, the diet affects your outlook and how it can help well, other people. Well, here's the thing. You know why I wrote it? Because I started getting pissed off. More of my friends and family members getting cancer and fucking dying and all of this shit and all of these lies. And I'm going to tell you something right now. Right. I fucking just played Leeds and the driver that picked me up was this dude, Heath, right? Yeah, yeah. Heath, you know, he drives all the bands and, and he, you know, big bands. And right. Like, I sat right in the front with him, and I'm like, you know, it, it, you know, he had a, one of them uh, Mercedes fucking, you know, big fucking vans and shit. Right, right. And he goes, hey, man, most of these fucking people I pick up are total fucking wanker, rock star fucking assholes. Me and him talked for the entire time from Leeds, and he was having a lot of problems, health and all this stuff. So I talked to him for two hours about health and the, and the food conspiracy that's going on and all kinds of shit. Where, you know, 9-11, just everything, man. We fucking put that shit out there. This brother turned around. He's juicing every day. He's getting off all the poisonous food. He's like, bro, I can feel the changes that's coming in my life. Right. And here's the deal. The pharmaceutical companies, all of these companies, they control what the media puts out. All, you know. If you just watch Forks Over Knives and, and another movie called What the Health, right. realize the conspiracy between the pharmaceutical companies and, and the medical industries, how that exists and how they're choosing profit over lives, there's a big lie going on. And, and what inspired me to write that book, and people kept telling me, dude, you're like 50-something years old, you're fucking doing Iron Man, you're crushing shit, you know, you, you, gotta, you should do this man and 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 treat people uh you know what you do right stuff like that and and the title came because here's 
continue if you eat meat. That title, you can't take it out of context, because I'll tell you even where the title came from. I was in the gym one day, and my buddy, he was, uh, an, he's an MMA fighter. Right. So, he, you know, my friend was holding pads for him, and, and I'm, like, in the ring there, fucking talking with him. And I'm telling him, like, yeah, man, you got to start, you know, getting on the greens and, and eliminating the acid-forming foods. The more your pH is perfect, like Wim Hof, Wim Hof method of breathing and proper pH, how you can do fucking superhuman tasks. He climbed to the death zone of fucking Everest in nothing but a pair of shorts. No shirt, no fucking shoes, nothing. Right? So I start telling this dude this, and this 1980s motherfucking like gym rat with a gallon of whey and fucking tiger stripe pants comes over, overhears, catches the word, you know, you know, no meat, vegan, or whatever, yeah. and starts going, yeah, all those motherfuckers, them fucking vegetarian motherfuckers that don't eat meat, they look like a bunch of fucking pussies. And I'm like, what? I was like, bro, like, I haven't eaten meat in, like, at the time, this was, like, 30-something years. Yeah. I'm like, yo, you want to put some headgear on and get in the fucking ring, and I'll show you who the fuck's a pussy, right? So originally, I was calling the fucking book the Go Green Road to Health Longevity with some bullshit. <laughs> so my business partner, Todd, the yeah. other Todd, he says, man, who the fuck are you, Dr. Oz, motherfucker? People don't want to hear that book come from John Bloodclot. You're John Bloodclot, yo. They want to hear some shit with teeth. And then we were just driving around. And I'm like, you know what this motherfucker told me today? This motherfucker told me that people that don't eat meat are pussies. And he goes, dude, that's it right there. You got to throw it back in their face. Meat is for pussies. <clears throat> so I said, the light just came on. Right. And what I say in the beginning of the book, I'm not calling anybody a bliss. Listen, there's plenty of motherfuckers that eat meat that can kick the shit out of me. It's not what it's about. What it is about, and what I say in the opening pages of that book, is that if you continue to eat the poisonous foods that Babylon is putting out there and doing drugs and doing all this shit, you will become a pussy dependent upon the pharmaceutical companies to keep you alive. You will be a slave to medication. If that's what you want, put the fucking book back because this book ain't for you. Okay. But if you do want to learn, and all I'm doing, I didn't come up with this shit. I've been studying it for 36 fucking years now. Yeah, yeah. The Rastafarians, from the raw foodists, from real doctors, Dr. Campbell, Dr. Esselstyn, who did the China study, and, you know, and, and reversing heart disease, and all of these books on health, how eating a plant-based diet, organic plant-based diet without GMOs and pesticides can completely change your life. So that's what I'm doing. I'm like the mailman that's fucking delivering the letter from the mail from the post office. I didn't come up with it. I don't change what's in there. I might add a couple of motherfuckers and fuck this shit, but that's what the book is. And okay. that's why I put it out there. We're losing too many people, loved ones and everything else. And I'm telling you right now, I've got tens and thousands of fucking emails from people who did what the book says and researched the documentaries and the other books that I recommend. Because I, it's not just about me. I tell them, yo, read these other books. I got, I got the book. I, you know, I got the book here, brother. So I'm just trying to find the time to read it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So their lives completely changed, and they were saved from death. Saved from, saved from death, came back from 
Yeah, yeah. Cancer. Beat cancer. Like, I'm getting these fucking letters, dude. Like, you know what? That that's, that's, that means everything to me. That's the inspiration right there, brother. Yeah, man. It's about the lives. People fucking coming to you in tears and saying, bro, that fucking book just changed my whole fucking life. I was, I was depressed. I had a gun to my fucking head. That's the kind of shit. That's why I do what I do. It ain't about my ego and whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yes, sir. So, uh, Evolution of cro Magnet is now in its second edition. You you mentioned the yep. film rights, yeah? Yeah, I'm writing the film now. I'm, I'm, I literally just been work. I write every single fucking day. Right. I'm working on the screenplay. I don't want to drop names, but I got some big time Hollywood uh, directors and stuff that that fucking are just waiting for the script. And yeah, it's, it, this shit's gonna be a movie, man. And right. uh, it's gonna, you know. That book fucking tell the real story of, 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 of the road I came down in life and as a kid and, and all of it, you know. That that's it's hell of a book, brother, you know what I mean? I it is just yeah. Big 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 respect, man, because that book is awesome. Thank you. I just had I just made I just went out yesterday uh, to my mother's house. Uh-huh. Uh huh. and made her dinner on Mother's Day and surprised her, you know, so um, you know, it's it's and I posted a picture on Instagram, you know, we was in this, you know, fucked up foster home. They were doing fucking horrible shit to us. And yeah, yeah. Like, you know, we were over Christmas. Anyway, you know, it, it's tough shit to write about, man. But you know what? That, that's, that's my therapy. That's how I worked out my fucking demons, man, you know? Yeah, put them down on paper. And, and it also tells the real story of the fucking Cro-Mags, and I want to say that. Right. But there's a... There's other fucking stories and versions which it's only that dude's version. If you talk to anybody else that was in the band, that shit's all fucking lies. That shit is all fucking lies. My book tells the real story of what went down in the Chromex. The fucking thievery, the fucking backstabbing, the fucking snitching on me to the government that fucking that dude did and tried to put me in federal prison. Okay? All of that shit is true. Yes, sir. And when we tried to rejoin the band in 2000, it was the same bullshit. He backstabbed me again, you know. So, and he wanted to destroy the Chromex. That's what he wants to do. So he could go on with his Harley's War or whatever the fuck he's doing. And he wants to, because, you know, he, the shows are selling out without him being in the band. And you know what the fans told me? The last show we did together where he tried, he talked shit and almost had the entire fucking 5,000 motherfuckers at Hellfest storm the stage the fucking state troopers had to come on stage with shields and batons and all the all the kids said you don't need that motherfucker in the band man he's a negative force get and then he quit and we went on that's the end of the fucking story so well, and it's the real story of the fucking Cro-Mags the real fucking story I was the singer in 1981 August and I put the timeline in there from the big takeover. Jack Rabbit's magazine. Yes, sir. Tom Vocals, 1981, August. John Bloodclot. John Skinhead, he called me. So I started the fucking band with Harley. All that shit that motherfucker talks, I wasn't the original singer. Bullshit. 
I was the original singer. I went to live at the temple and then went, came out and the other dude got fired. I was on the demo. I was on Angel Quarrel. I quit before Best Wishes because the nigga robbed me. And then I was on fucking Alpha Omega and he stole all the money from, from that record deal. And talk to Century Media. They'll tell you the fucking... Don't, don't take my word for it. Ask Century Media what happened to the fucking $15,000 in the bank account. God. Ask them. So... This motherfucker's out there on a tour and talking all this shit and a bunch of fucking lies and making up lies about me and all this bullshit and his version of the fucking Chromags. And now with social media, everybody believes that shit. But if you look at my page, I don't say shit. I let the fucking music do the talking and I put the book out. And that's the real fucking Chromag story. Because it comes from the heart, man, you know what I mean? And not, not Without Paris, yeah. which he, who he disses all the time, them songs... Uh, was Paris the Uptown Mama's boy fucking chump? Of course he was. You know what? But without him, the Chromags were the four of us. Duck came right before the record. That, that dude didn't write shit on that record. Yeah, yeah. Without, Duck, without Paris, without Harley, without Mac, without me, that record never would have fucking got made. But it was like Paris a... wrote this shit, and Harley never gives him fucking credit. But I give Paris credit. Right. And, it, and even when him and, you know, when him and Harley were playing together in 2000 and all that rest of that shit, right, in the 90s, ask him why he quit. Because Harley was going under his mattress and stealing the tour money every day. And then he started a fight with Earth Crisis and fucking, pa and as Paris was getting beat down, Harley ran off. And that's when Paris quit the fucking band. Two records are completely fucking polar opposites, man. They don't sound anything. <laughs> Thank you. 
I'm gonna be straight with you now, John. Right? Yeah. We're we're in fucking what May now. That record is the best record of the year, and that is no words but fucking life. Straight up. Thank you, bro. That that means a lot coming from you, man. It's serious shit. So what? Hey, keep- listen, like I said, you have to put your heart into music, man. You don't take this shit cheaply and fucking, you know, just put out some bullshit record. That's like when bands hand me their demo and they're like, yeah, I want to know what you think. I said, listen, I'm gonna tell you right now. I'm gonna listen to this record and I'm gonna tell you honestly what the fuck I think. Yes, sir. I like it, I tell you. And if I and if I think you just really need to work on your shit, I'm gonna tell you that too. You know. Well, no, no point in bullshit, man. Life is too short. You know what I mean? Dude, you gotta be honest with people, man. I'm like, yo, I'm not gonna disrespect you and, and say whatever that puts you down, but I'm gonna tell you the truth. Yes, sir. And that's how you get better as an artist. You know how many screenplays I gave to Patty Jenkins, who who won the Academy Award for fucking Monster, and Ditto Montiel. And, and all of these people I sent, I sent scripts to, and they fucking tore me a new asshole. And I thank them for it. Thank you very much. But it came from a place of love and wanting to help me. Exactly. Not from a place of, not from a place of envy where they want to put me down. So it's the same thing when bands say, Please, you know, listen to my tape, let me know what you think. I tell them straight up. Just like if I think they're a great band and they play with us, the call man or whatever, I come up and I say, man, you guys fucking kicked fucking ass. Yes, sir. But I'm not going to fake the fuck and say, oh, yeah, it was great if I don't think it was. I'm not that, I'm not that guy. No, I'm not. You know? Like I say, brother, life is too short for that shit. You don't need it. Nobody needs yeah. it. So what keeps you playing hardcore after more, you know, is this, what, 30, nearly 40 years since you started playing, man? What keeps you doing? It's the spirit of it's the spirit of the music, man, and and the lyrics that I write are, are timeless. You know, it's right. about it's about real shit that people got to deal with. That don't go out of style. You know, where's all them bands that were doing the rap rock and all this other shit? Fucking emos, fucking dead, and fucking all of this other bullshit that was around. It ain't, it ain't around no more. They signed big record deals. They got to go on tour buses. But you know what? It was about the fucking shit. It was about the image and the bullshit, not the music. And that's why they're gone and we're still here. I came into punk rock in 77 after being through fucking hell in life. When I heard the fucking... When I heard the Dead Boys and the Clash and the Sex Pistols and all of that shit, that shit fucked my whole... And the Ramones? Fuck. I hung out in Rockaway Beach about, like, the song. I saw the Ramones on the fucking boardwalk. I went to see the Ramones in 77 at CB. Like, that shit fucked my whole life up for fucking for the right. Yes, sir. So, if you could give, you know, your 20-year-old self any advice, what would you say to him? Don't change a thing. Do the same thing you did all the way to fucking... I'm turning 55 now. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't change a goddamn thing. <laughs> be careful of trusting friends that stab you in the fucking back. Yes, sir. Don't, don't tread on me, says. You're on guard with your enemies. The one that you sleep on is your, is your so-called friends. And they are the ones that will fucking stab you in the fucking back. Because you, you, you give them a pass and you don't watch. And you don't, like they say on the streets in New York, Knuckle up and guard your grill. Yeah, yeah. You, 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 you let too many... You know, that's the one thing I would say was, you know, watch who the fuck you, you trust. If you lay with dogs, you're going to get fleas. Yes, sir. And I'll leave it at that. <laughs> so and that's why 
Robot and who's in Cro-Mags is family that would never fucking backstab me. So that's the end shit right there. <laughs> so what's next for Blood Clock? The record's out, what, July 7th? July 14th. July 14th. Comes out. We're going on tour. We're coming to Europe. You know, we're working the fucking, uh, you know, we're working the, uh, the, the record and, uh, you know, that's Man, you put out a record, then you gotta go play that shit. It's not about just being in the studio and make a record that you can't play live. Yes, sir. That's what all these bands do. We don't do that. We'll come out and we're gonna fucking, we're gonna give 100% of ourselves to this album on stage. You will see that. Awesome. John, if there's anything you'd like to add, brother, now's the time. Yeah, just, if you could throw some of my social media shit, you know, John Joseph Cromag on Instagram and, and uh, you know, Oh, yeah. Will do, brother. John, it was a pleasure to speak to you as ever, man. God bless, man. Hey, stay positive. Keep the PMA. He's good food, man. P- <laughs> PMA, John. PMA, brother. All right, thanks. Bye-bye.